Welcome to the Media Navigators podcast brought to you by the World Media Group. My name is Belinda Barker and I'm the Chief Executive. During these podcasts, I've talked to the movers and shakers from across the industry. Today is a slightly different podcast, not that they're not movers and shakers, but we're really looking at um, the key trends from this year and looking forward to 2023. And I'm joined today by Nigel Robinson, who is the managing partner of Mediacom. Welcome, Nigel. Thanks, Belinda. I'm not sure if I fall into the category of a mover or shaker. Either way, I'm delighted to be here. Brilliant. And we also have Damien Douglas, who is the managing director of Time for EA. Morning, Damien. Morning, Belinda. Morning, Nigel. Similarly, I fall into the less moving and shaking category, but glad to be here all the same. Nigel and Damien both support the World Media Group. Damien is currently our president and Nigel Robinson is the chair of the World Media Group. We were also going to be joined this morning by Alison Harbert, who is the marketing director of Investec. But unfortunately, Alison has laryngitis this morning, which doesn't make for a particularly good podcast. I hope Alison gets better soon. The reason for inviting these three individuals was to get the different aspects of the industry. So with the media owner, agency and clients. But I think it will be just as interesting as it is. So we're going to start off by looking at what were the key trends for this year within the media and marketing industry. And Damien, if I could ask you to kick off with what would be the biggest trend that you felt impacted? Cool. Thanks, Colin. Yeah, we saw a couple of key things, but I think it's important to realise how this year has panned out, if you like. It's the first year first full year really in what we call that pandemic recovery but what we didn't necessarily anticipate at the start of the year was the macroeconomic effects from Russia Ukraine the cost of living and inflation crisis challenges around the energy supply chains and the impacts of the climate agenda when we saw media if you like accelerate for the latter ends of 2021 there are significant headwinds going into 2022 certainly in the latter stages and into 2023 so that sets a relatively challenging outlook but not without opportunities and i think we've seen a number of major opportunities in that post-pandemic recycle, and two that I've seen first and foremost would be this notion of brand citizenship. I think we saw the, the embers of that, if you like, probably three or four years ago, where brands were reinventing themselves for an accelerated, lead, an accelerated digital future, if you like, where they reinvented themselves and they've had to talk about what they do now and how they operate moving forward. Brand storytelling around what brands mean today, now that they are more connected to societal progression than they ever have been before. So talking about who they are, what they stand for, and why they should be your brand preference or brand of choice, whether that's from a consumer perspective or from a business perspective, I think Brands have had to grab that narrative and talk to consumers largely about who they are and where they come from. And then the second biggest one for me 
has been around digital engagement and acceleration. The pandemic reshaped the way we work, reshaped the way we buy things, which has given really significant opportunities around e-commerce and enterprise is operating on a global basis when previously they'd operated on a market by market level. The creation of digital environments, we talked about Web3 and the metaverse, I suspect pretty intensively for the first three months of this year, and that's changed towards the back end. But then you see from a media perspective, a couple of big trends, I think. I want to talk about Coda, which was the movie that won the Oscar back in late 2021. That was the first to streaming film. It didn't get released at the cinemas until post-streaming. And that kind of leads into the rise of connected TV and video, which was a real accelerated trend as we went through the pandemic cycle. And there's four or five brands operating in in that space now that I think are really interesting to see. Looking at IKEA holding festivals both on and offline. So how do brands operate in a hybrid world? And then towards the latter stages of this year, seeing how brands adopt to their own future or adapt to their own future, sorry. Amazon's made a big move move into healthcare. I think healthcare is a sector that is ripe for digitalization and probably one of the last big sectors that hasn't gone through an accelerated digital program. Apple moving potentially into car tech and automotive um, because the automotive brands now see themselves as big technology businesses and mobility businesses rather than simply making cars. And then Netflix launching an ad-supported model in the second half of this year as well. So you think the connected TV space is one to keep a really close eye on. And I think its emergence, if you like, uh, is a direct result of being locked in our own homes for the best part of two years and people's attention is going straight to streaming platforms. Whilst we'd have expected these changes over a four, five, six year period, we've seen a tremendous amount of change in in an 18 month window, which means Consumers have changed the way they engage with brands, have changed the way that they purchase goods. And now we see an industry adapting to audience changes, which is a pretty exciting space to be. So those are my two big ones. This notion of brand citizenship and then how brands are operating with a changed and accelerated digital landscape. <laughs> I feel within your two points, I feel like you've almost managed to cover everything that's happened within the year. So you've not given Nigel a great Sorry, Nigel. left to work Sorry, with, but Nigel, from your perspective, a- anything that, that Damien has missed off his list? Yeah, I was a bit worried going second. Um... <laughs> 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 Not much left to talk about, Damien. But I think I can just build on a couple of points. Certainly, yeah, I think we are in the World Cup. So I think 2022 was a bit of a game of two halves for media in many ways because we emerged, we were emerging from COVID and lockdown in the first half and things were very much up year on year from an ad spend perspective. Um, and it felt quite buoyant and very optimistic. And that changed quite a lot in the second half of the year. Obviously, fuel prices, energy prices increasing a lot. The war in Ukraine are coming into play. And suddenly a lot of brands had a cost of production just went through the roof, which then impacted on the balance sheets and marketing budgets. And suddenly in the second half, things definitely took a downturn. So it's quite a different, I think, outlook between the beginning of the year and where we find ourselves now. Really quite different kind of mindsets and perspectives when you look forward. So, yeah, definitely things happening in the world. Like, like Ukraine and energy prices having a big pa- impact on media and marketing, for sure. Um, 
But yeah, building on Damien's point about connected TV, I think there's an ongoing trend in 2022 is very much part of it and, and it will be next year as well. It's just an increase in what we call addressable media, the digitization of traditional channels. So, you know, television, out of home, radio, all becoming very digital, which has a big impact on what you can do with those channels you know, from an advertising and a marketing perspective, which is really interesting. So I think seeing a shift which is that sort of digitization of digital. In the UK is a great example, ITVX launching right now, streaming services coming online from the big players. So, you know, typical linear viewing continues to plummet and fall quite quickly, but then that's being, that's being picked up by people watching, watching video and television on their own terms when they want to watch it through streaming services and catch-up services and on-demand. But yeah, it's really interesting that I think in places like radio and out of home as well, which are often not talked about, they've become very flexible now. We can put lots of, we can put clients' first-party data into those channels just as much as we can online. I think that's been another big shift historically. I think clients have seen we we need to be really smart in how we use data with the likes of Google and Meta and Facebook, etc. Now it's we need to be really smart with how we use data everywhere because everything's becoming digital and data. We can put data into all channels increasingly. We don't need to buy 2,000 posters anymore. We can buy very specific ones based on time of day of week, location, get really smart and really clever in how we use those channels and use different messages at different times. So brands are getting their heads around the fact that we can talk to people on a wet and windy morning in Manchester about it being a wet and windy morning in Manchester. You can talk to people in different parts of the country based on their location or what's going on at that very moment in time, which is really powerful and, and really exciting. So I think that trend continues and it was a big trend this year and it will be going from strength to strength next year as well and just picking up more momentum. And Damien touched on Netflix, which for me as well, I think 2022 was a year when the big digital giants reach maturity to a certain extent the likes of google and facebook for the first time making people redundant i think meta was saying that we're going to shrink their workforce by 13 percent. that's pretty huge that's that's a big number for meta to be saying they, they're going to be reducing their workforce and netflix taking advertising and amazon doing the same netflix doing that in response to the fact that their subscriptions obviously had hit a ceiling they were not getting any more revenue from driving subscriptions, so they're having to turn to an ad model. So it just felt like those big digital businesses, which have been on such a high growth trajectory since they really came into came into our worlds in the noughties, start to plateau. And it feels a little bit like that with me with technology generally. A lot of the technology that has driven so much change over the last couple of decades, but the internet really coming into play in the noughties, I think the first iPhone came around in 2007 and social media went ballistic in the previous decade and just changed how people interacted and how people and how brands did marketing. It just completely changed and gave rise to so many new brands that just found their way through this new digital economy. And they weren't relying on traditional channels. They just grew through these digital channels really fast. And there's huge disruption. And it feels like that technological growth has plateaued a little bit to me. And now it's like we're waiting for the next big technological changes. And people talk about Metaverse and Web 3.0, but it's not really here yet. Gaming's massive, but aside from gaming, really, the Metaverse is a little way off. And I think even Mark Zuckerberg said he'd probably got a little bit over 
excited about how quickly that was going to come around. And so, yeah, we're kind of waiting for, I don't know, quantum computing, blockchain, <laughs> the metaverse will all occur. But I don't, they're not here yet. So it feels like we plateaued out on that big tech a little bit in 2022 for me. We're talking about the data going into posters was the one that I, I picked particularly picked up on because it wasn't something that I was aware of but how true is that outside of the UK are you in other parts of Europe other parts of the world are we ahead of that game behind that game in the UK it's a really good question I think the UK is pretty advanced in that way in terms of viewing data we've got some brilliant integrations now of taking the mobile phone data and putting that into out-of-home targeting, for example. So understanding where people are at any one time and therefore what out-of-home sites they're exposed to. So you can get really clever about picking the right message at the right time in the right place against the right audience in out-of-home. It's a really good question. I don't want to pretend I know the answer, actually, because I think some of the other big markets are getting pretty smart with it as well certainly in the US and China. But yeah, I think the UK is definitely one of the markets leading the way on that front. So the next question is around what are you looking forward to in 2023? And I think it's only fair that we start with Nigel this time so that Damien doesn't get all the best points. So (laughs) Nigel, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, definitely continuation of some of those trends. So as I said, I think the addressable media point, that will go from strength to strength. Damien touched on e-commerce. That's continuing to boom. In in COVID, we all learned to buy everything over the internet, didn't we? But that seems to have just created a foundation, which is then pushing e-commerce onto bigger and greater things. I saw a stat that I think e-commerce is 5.7 trillion globally in 2022 and it's going to be 6.5 trillion next year which is about a 20 percent leap so that's we're just going to be buying more and more things via our phones via the internet in general and i think social commerce will just increase as well you know that i see something in social media and then i've just got the ability to buy it not even needing to be in amazon or necessarily a retailer's website those kind of integrations into making shoppable content really available to people wherever they are and whatever channels they're in i think brands will just get smarter and smarter with that next year and yeah so the point about tech i already mentioned i think next year as well i think there's going to be Obviously, the cost of living is going to have a big impact on what consumers are going to be doing globally. And I think that's going to give rise to a bit more intentional spending. So what I mean by that is I think consumers are going to be probably, in some areas, trading down and buying less branded goods in supermarkets and places like that and and making substitutions that they need to make just so that they can make ends meet really so buying things that are cheaper and trading down and saving money so then they can be more intentional about the luxuries and the treats that they do want to afford i think people will still want to try and afford that holiday for example if they can so it'll be a case of okay what can we cut back on over here so that we can make sure that we don't have to give everything up. And people, yeah, will be will become very mindful, I think, about where they're spending money. And brands can, I think if brands are really watching that closely and listen to that, they can position themselves in a smart way to go with those kinds of needs that are going to, that are going to be happening. And I think as well with consumers, I see this continuing focus on, on, on sort of me, and which, which is around health, 
physical health, mental health, well-being. Again, that was a big thing that really rocketed in COVID. People really becoming aware of their own situations. We were all locked in our houses <laughs> and suddenly we were quite challenged from a mental health perspective and also had time to look inside a little bit and reflect on, reflect on ourselves. I had a little look in Google about a few search terms and it was interesting when you look at things like, I just randomly, because I think about these things, I'm a bit, a bit into that kind of self-improvement stuff, but things like gut health. A few years ago, no one was searching in Google on gut health. And today it's 10 times bigger than it was just a few years ago. People have really tuned into these kind of topics, whether it's physical or mental. How do we look after ourselves better and take care of our better sel- ourselves? And I think that will continue into next year. And I hope that will also go along with a consciousness around the planet, that we need to take care of the planet, and that's really important. And I think Damien touched on this, that sort of citizenship, how we buy products and how we go about our lives in what we purchase can have a big impact on the environment. And hopefully brands will keep pushing that message and consumers will will keep voting with their feet as well, that we can be really mindful of that as an industry. Because I'm very cognizant that we work in an industry where on a bad day, we try and sell people things they don't really need. And maybe we can be a bit more mindful and responsible collectively and help consumers be kinder to the planet ultimately. And Damien, not that uh, Nigel's left you much, but any, anything to add? No, no. <laughs> From a personal perspective as well. Yeah, well, I can give you some personal perspectives. Touching into e-commerce, one of my biggest frustrations at the moment, and maybe it's because we're going into Christmas present buying period, is not being able to purchase directly with Apple Pay when I'm going through a customer journey online. Having to physically go in and manually enter card details feels archaic now, in all honesty, when you can functionally click to buy. So I think there'll be some streamlining in the e-commerce space that allows you to single click to purchase Amazon have nailed it. Well, I was working from home on think Thursday last week, and I'm pretty sure we had five deliveries in the space of one afternoon, which says a couple of things, right? It says it is so easy to buy things, but then... The knock-on effect is, do I need a van coming to my door five times a day to drop off anything between notebooks and radios, which just seems crazy at the moment. So I think there is some work to do around supply chains big time that will have a knock-on effect with regard to sustainability and footfall. Then what did the news tell me last week to touch on cost of inflation? Our Christmas lunches are likely to be, what, 23 24% more expensive year on year, which is huge as a proxy. So if our lives have got somewhere between 10 and 25% more expensive um, and salaries generally in both the public and private sector, having called up with that to some to, to Nigel's point, sorry, that means consumers do have to make choices between what they need and what they want as a luxury perspective. I, I, I think that also has some resonance with how brands are talking right now. I think we've heard a big conversation around fast fashion and making clothes go longer and, and faster rather than simply just continuing to purchase. So yeah, there's some big impacts in cons- in the consumer spaces, largely because of cost of living. And then Nigel also talks about the rise of healthcare uh, and us trying to look after ourselves a little bit better, which is where I think there's a huge opportunity within the healthcare sector. There's a lot of brands out there with healthcare data on us. As a consumer, who do we trust to use our healthcare data in the best way shape possible between Amazon and Apple and Fitbit. These guys have got a real kickstart in terms of how healthy we are. So there should be some signaling within that sector that allows us to 
focus on preemptive healthcare, which again should have a knock-on effect with regard to our healthcare services and infrastructure, if we can solve problems before we even know that there are problems there. But a couple of things for me personally to look forward for the relationship between virtual worlds and real worlds. We talked about metaverse a couple of times already. I think the second half of the year has also shown some challenges within what is still quite an embryonic technology. We saw the FTX play out what was that, three, two to three weeks ago? So, you know, as with all sectors, there are bad actors in all sectors. I think this sector is probably going through a little bit of a cleanup exercise as well. With market depre- depreciate in and around the NFT space, which was showing significant momentum in the first half of the year. So every early adoption of technology will plateau rebuild plateau and rebuild before we refine what that looks like so yeah that NFT and crypto space is still something to watch but then I talked to a couple of big industrial and manufacturing and engineering businesses over the last six months and there are real strong use cases for metaverse as well digital twinning has allowed the big manufacturing and industrial companies has enabled them to create supply chain and machine chain processes in virtual environments which makes them deliberately much more efficient moving forward as well. I think as organizations reevaluate their own supply chains, because that's going to be a big part of how we tackle the climate crisis over the next eight or nine years, the advent of things like AI is still hugely exciting because it will allow us to accelerate that process as as well as healthcare pretty significantly in a, a much faster process than we'd ever dreamed possible. And I still think there's a lot to be taken out of how quickly we got solutions to the pandemic to market that just wouldn't have been seen three or four years ago because of the red tape in and around in and around the virus process so that's that kind of thing that is really exciting but has some challenges i still think real worlds will come back with a massive bang as we go through 2023 i think people have a a hunger and desire to be in the same spaces as other stakeholders as we work through inclusion challenges as we work through climate challenges and we we center on this decade of action, which the UN called four or five years ago with the UN's SDGs. That still needs people around the table solving these issues. The knock-on effects of COP26 in Glasgow excites me. And even the knock-on effects of COP27, where the rhetoric coming out of COP27 was largely, okay, we've made commitments now. Let's make people accountable to the commitments. So I think the next year, as we lead to COP28, will allow us to see how serious business is and I think what is clear is business has a clear mandate now to be as sustainable as possible moving forward and try and save the planet. So people coming back together is going to be truly exciting. And then lastly, again, on this theme of technology adoption, we've seen the Earthshot Awards, I think, over the weekend. And there's some some in the news last week. There are solutions provided to us by amazingly talented people and technology that can or should be able to scale quite quickly that allows us to address many of the challenges. So it's how do we support embryonic businesses that are going to do amazing things to do them as quickly as possible to keep our kind of climate sustainability agenda absolutely on track. And the one I read about on Saturday was about precision fermentation, which is into non-meat. What is that? I read it was into non-meat-based products. So how do we replace protein? Okay. Uh, and this was a process of fermentation that took, I think, 17 
1,700 or, or 70,000. It's basically 70,000 less than if you cattle farmed. So the impact on our environment with technologies like this can be absolutely transformational. And it means we can start putting something back and focusing in on replenishment and replacing rather than continually looking to take and farm the way we have farmed. Those areas are going to be amazing to watch. And I think watching these businesses spring up and scale, supported by other businesses, you know, is a really exciting place to be. And I suspect that we, you look at the transformation of the FTSE in the last 20 years, I'd lo- love to see what it's going to look like in five, six, seven years' time as these businesses start to take real hold. So that's exciting. We're not, and we've not even talked about audio in any way, shape or form. And I think the audio market is hugely interesting at the moment, given that now has a real commercial support and some real scale in it. So those will be my th- key things for building on Nigel's initial answer. So I, from a, perhaps a more micro viewpoint in terms of the kind of the media industry itself, the people coming back together, which you referred to, Damien, is something I push that further in, in the next year. It's not just the people coming back together, it's for I think our industry bringing the fun back into yep. the media industry uh, and c- COVID did the flexible working, I, I think has done uh, amazing things for our industry in, in terms of inclusion, the kinds of people who can come in. And that's all brilliant, but our industry, it's a creative industry where you, you are expected to work really hard. You have to give so much of your heart and soul into making things work. And working apart the way we have done, we have lost the fun part of it, which was the working together that made all the hard work worthwhile. So uh, what I'm looking forward to in 2023 is finding the fun again in media. That's what I'm going to be working towards. So the next question, and we're going to have to speed this up slightly. Maybe if you could just stick to one thing. What is there any one single issue that's currently keeping you awake at night? And Damien, let's start with you this time. Yeah, I've got two, but I'll keep it brief. Fair enough. And I think the industry is massively resilient. And I think it will adopt and change quickly. I think we've seen that time and time again. So that's a real, real positive for me. I think we've got to work harder on inclusion, big time. I mean, at every level, but that ties into a talent agenda as well. I've talked about this a couple of times in the last 18 months. Typically young talent, we've got to make the industry available and inspirational for young talent, which will attract a broader set of demographics into the business. And we've got to work really hard on that. And that's reevaluating how we promote ourselves, re-evaluating how we coach, re-evaluating how we hire. I think those are practical things we can all do. And then talent, what hybrid working at times, I think about how people climb through the industry. And generally it's by being, it has been by being available and saying yes a lot to people internally and listening and learning from the experience of those around us. And then their enthusiasm normally takes over. So how do we create environments where people become more involved and can learn from those around them when we have the practicality of working in hybrid which has got huge benefits but can be exclusive at times and 
again, to talking about Nigel's earlier point, it then becomes more challenging for us as managers and leaders, really, to analyse the state of mental health within our own departments when you can't see people. And I just think as leaders within the industry, we need to be absolutely cognizant of how our workforces are feeling and making sure that they have a platform to progress through what is a hugely vibrant industry and sector. So talent, talent and inclusion are two big areas that we do have to continue to work really hard on. So that'd be me. Nigel. Yeah, I fully agree with, with Damien's points, actually. Quite literally, I think if there's something that's kept me awake at night, it's it's been talent <laughs> in, the, in, in the last year or so. Hopefully that will get better next year. But no, I think the thing that actually worries me the most is is leaders, really, and us, us having the ability to somehow choose bad ones. <laughs> and yeah. it's like when you just look around and you went from Boris Johnson to Liz Truss in the UK... That is just so concerning for me that we ended up with a prime minister like Liz Truss. Luckily, it was quite quickly corrected. The same with Putin in Russia. It's just, it seems to be the psychology of one man is driving so much chaos there. And how do we find ourselves in a place where people like that get themselves into positions of power? And at smaller levels, the World Cup's in Qatar. I think probably most people believe that it's in Qatar because... The voting was corrupt and people were paid to vote for Qatar and they did. And we ended up with the World Cup in a very strange place at a very strange time of year. But no matter what you think about Qatar, it's, we don't normally have the World Cup at Christmas. So it was quite a strange choice. Yeah, so I think that's what worries me with a sort of world population that reached 8 million just recently, I think. I, we we need everyone to have a collective consciousness back to Damien's point of, you know, there's great things that industry can do to really help the planet. But if we really all think like individuals and rogue individuals get themselves in positions of great power, that's, that's sort of what worries me, to be honest. That's the thing that we need to make sure we try and correct. We need to choose our leaders very carefully and wisely and care about it. I think Qatar is a very good example of sustainability gone completely and utterly bonkers. Um, yeah, yeah. I Over the last few weeks, the other thing around sustainability that really quite worries me is talking to marketeers about their own sustainability objectives. And so many of them simply don't have any and don't even know how to go about it carbon footprint of digital advertising is a scary number so that yeah for me that's right now that's the one thing keeping me awake at night as parent and as a business person as well but beyond Um, that on that note the fact that we are talking about it and the fact that we're trying to hold each other accountable to it now is a shift from where we were three or four years ago, massively. And building on that point is that I always think, when is sustainability going to become the priority? And I think to Nigel's point, the last three years we've had, Brexit, well, last three or four years, we've had Brexit chaos. So macroeconomics around that. We've had political chaos uh, and we've had a huge pandemic. And right now, the climate is going to need to be a priority because we got till 2030 to work it out and make it irreversible. It's not, a lot, it's not a lot of time, but we're talking about it now, which is a big plus. Yeah. One last question. And if you had one soundbite to sum up 2022, what would it be? 
So my one is I've got to the point of accepting ferocious change as being normal. There's no such thing as the new normal anymore. Normal is ferocious change. Damien. Agreed entirely. I think this year we've seen technology providing unrivaled convenience, without a doubt. But I think we've also realised that certainly in our industry, people are hugely important. And that human engagement aspect is where we seek our fun. It's where we seek consensus. It's where we have our smartest ideas. So I think pushing those two things together going into 2023 will be really exciting. I think people crave attention in a positive way. Nigel. I'm saying um, a mix of chaos and hope. So based on that, that's great. (laughs) Everything you said, Belinda, about that, just the world went mad and change is just accelerating and it just seems to be here for the status quo is never, we're never going to get to a status quo because it's going to, the turmoil is just going to continue. And there was so much chaos in 2022, but then so many reasons to be hopeful. Even when you look at Ukraine, a terrible thing, but then Ukrainian forces pushing back, really push back looks very hopeful that they'll be able to keep hold of their country and i do think that is the right outcome protesting a woman killed in custody in iran by the morality police lots of protests people being executed but i read yesterday the government are talking about disbanding the morality police so maybe all of that will create some good yeah and going back to boris johnson liz truss at least liz was only there for seven weeks and it was corrected which gives me some hope that when things do go off the rails we have got the ability to collectively bring them back and sort things out when we need to and uh, you can't talk about 2022 without talking about queen elizabeth ii sad that she left us but I think she did give us lots of hope in so many different ways. And I think there was a sadness, but also a great kind of coming together of people. And I hope that there is this kind of increase in collective consciousness that's going on. I think people are more connected than they've ever been before. We've got access to more information than they've ever had before. And hopefully people will use that like really positively. And we can all together, everyone can have a contribution and put a bit of good into the world and not let these crazy dictators steer us in the wrong direction. I want to thank you both. You've left me with a feeling of general positivity. I am looking forward to working with both of you in 2023. We're running up some events during 2023. The first one is a roundup of um, Davos. And then the second is a session around really uh, about what we a lot of what we've been talking about today, which is the the future of work, how we improve working practices. That's in March. So go to the World Media Group website and you'll see a list of these events. They're all um, free to attend. So please register. And I'd like to thank Nigel and Damien for your time this morning and for joining us. And happy Christmas, season's greetings, and look forward to seeing you all in the new year. Thank you very much.